0: of praise for christ and for calvary the fact that we uh that we are that we could not be here today if not for the blood of christ for the sacrifice for the propitiation that took away the wrath of god upon us and so we are able to man thank you for that if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we will only, I was hoping to get into the 11 verses today, but we're only going to get into three, the first three. The Nobel Prize winner, Dr. Do, uh, winner, Dr. Isidore Rabai, uh, uh, who paved the way for the invention of the MRI, was once asked how he became a scientist. Why he became such a great scientist. He replied that every day after school when he was a child. His mother would sit him down and talk to him about his day. He says, but don't be misguided. My my mother was not interested in how my day went. She was far more interested in, did you ask the teacher a good question? Did you ask good questions today? And so he goes on to say that asking good questions is what made him become the scientist that he was. Today, you and I will come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is probably one of the most anticipated sections in Corinth, in, the, in, the, in 1 Corinthians, this letter. And, and maybe even most anticipated, not always for the right reasons. But it is a theme that will cover three chapters, 83 verses in all. And it is all written, it is all the work of a letter from the Corinthian church to the Apostle Paul asking good questions. They, they wrote Paul and had really good questions and Paul is responding. And it's very, I find it interesting that it may be very similar to questions that you have and that I have had dealing with these very issues. For example, what does it mean to be spiritual? You can almost you can almost sense in this letter that in these next three chapters they were wanting to know, Paul, you can just see them raising their hand, what does it mean to be spiritual? Paul, am, am I am I spiritual? Paul, what are spiritual gifts? Is a gift, is is this a gift is what I'm doing a gift? How can you tell Paul from the, the true and the fake spiritual, uh, spirituality? What is the purpose, Paul, of a spiritual gift? And what is my spiritual gift? Thankfully, the Apostle Paul will take these next three chapters and he is going to hopefully, maybe, satisfy your curiosity and hopefully answer questions that you have asked yourself before. And so today I want to read just the first three verses and I've entitled the, the, the sermon today a lesson in spiritual testing. And Paul is going to teach us how to discern what is spiritual and what is not spiritual. And so I have two headings today with two subpoints. First we will look at the warning of spiritual unawareness. The warning of spiritual unawareness and then we will look at Two lessons in spiritual genuineness. And then you will look at sound speech and a true confession. So we'll see the warning of spiritual unawareness, two lessons in spiritual genuineness, sound speech, and a true confession. So let's begin this morning in verse 1. Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led And therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. And may God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. The warning of of spiritual unawareness. It's amazing to me that if the Apostle Paul ever truly wanted to, if, if he ever cared about church conflict, he never would have written half the stuff that he wrote. And so what we have here this morning, Paul begins with this dilemma in this first verse. And you may look at this and go, well, what is the dilemma? Well, notice what he says now concerning spiritual gifts. If you are reading from the New American Standard Version, you may notice that the gifts is in italics. This is a dilemma because the word gifts is not in the original manuscripts. It is believed by many scholars that the word gifts is placed there by the translators, which is nothing wrong with that. It's actually kind of setting the context for what Paul is about to talk about, which is spiritual gifts. But if you'll notice there in verse 4 where Paul says, now there are a variety of gifts but the same spirit, Paul is actually using two different words here. And so within the scholar world, this has caused much debate between scholars, and so here's, the, according to the masculine or the, new, uh, the neutral or whatever, how, how, you, how you interpret this, it's either one of two things. Either Paul says, now concerning spirituals, or spiritual things, referencing spiritual gifts. Throughout this week, I have really have fallen in that Paul is referencing spirituals rather than spiritual things. In other words, that Paul is talking about people. Now concerning spiritual people, brethren. Now, with that said, I do completely agree with Mark Taylor who wrote this. He said that at the end of the day, there is not a great deal of difference. Because the Apostle Paul is clearly thinking about spiritual people who exercise spiritual gifts. And so what you have here is is basically this is kind of setting up our context for the next three chapters. Which would mean this, that the context is not just specifically about gifts. That Paul is not just writing these next three chapters and these 83 verses just to talk about gifts. Because, because as you'll see as we go through this, there's, you really begin to see how the gifts affect and influence other areas of the church. What Paul is doing is, is that Paul is giving us the context of the spirituality of church members. Concerning those who are spiritual. Paul, am I spiritual? I need to know. Am I spiritual? Because this will fit within the larger context of the the book, the whole letter. Because think back with me of the division that has plagued the church. If you remember way back in chapter 3, Paul wrote in verses 1, 2, and 3, he said this. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men. I can't talk to you as spiritual men. He says, but as men of the flesh natural men, as to infants in Christ. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. Why? He says in verse for you are still fleshly. You are still not spiritual. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, there was division in the church. And it would seem that this division stemmed from that there were those on one side who were saying, I am more spiritual than them. And then you had others on the other side, well, well, we're pretty spiritual as well. And you may even had some who were just sitting there going, I don't know what I am. And there was this division that would rise up among them. And part of it may have been due, as we saw earlier, part of it was due to the I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, so I follow Paul or Apollos, therefore I'm more spiritual. But now we're finding out that also spiritual gifts came into play. I have the gift of encouragement. (laughs) Well, I have the gift of speaking in tongues, so I'm better than you. You see how this was going? Who is spiritual? But notice that Paul pops their bubble. Notice what he says. He says, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led astray. Now, to be unaware means to lack knowledge. You, you, you're unaware of a certain knowledge that is out there, and so you are acting in a way that you do not know. And so in other words, Paul's saying, you don't know. He's not just saying you don't know. Paul Paul's saying this, you don't know what you're talking about. You think you know, but you don't know, and you're talking about what you know, but really you don't know. Right? That, it's that overconfidence and that arrogance of, I know. And Paul says, brothers and sisters, you don't. And, and then he goes even further and he says, you were led astray. That's a prison word, by the way. You're in chains and shackles. He says, you thought you were once spiritual when you were pagans, when you were worse pagan idols. He said, you were not spiritual. You thought you were doing that of your own free will, but you were not doing that in your free will. You were doing that because you were chained and shackled to your sin and your unbelief, and you were being led around by demons. Whether you were an atheist or a Buddhist or a Muslim, whatever it may have been, However it was that you worshipped, however you act, you thought you were right, you thought you were doing that by your own free will, but you instead were not. You were chained, you were prisoners. And so Paul is telling these Corinthians that they need to be very careful. Because what they thought was spiritual was in fact the very opposite, was actually pagan and sinful. FBC, what we have here this morning is a warning is a warning of counterfeit spirituality it's not genuine but there are people there are people there are churches who, who think they are spiritual there are people in churches that you think they are spiritual there are people that there, there are people that you think are spiritual and church services that are really good and really great and, and you're just like, whoo, I, I wish our church was like that. And that was happening in Corinth. There were, there were people going, I, I want to be like that. Because they're spiritual. And Paul writes and he says, you're unaware. They're being led astray. And so there is this counterfeit spirituality where people make themselves and they make their worship services seem very spiritual and they receive the applause of men. There, there are those even within the Southern Baptist, such as, you know, Stephen Furtick. Joel, uh, Joel St. Stephen Furtick, you have the Church by the Glades, these really big churches, these really uh, dynamic speakers, and they have lots and lots of people, and everybody goes, look at those guys, they're very spiritual, and yet they are pagans. And I'll get to, how, to the reason why in just a moment. But people look at these types of churches and these types of things, and they applaud them. And we even have them, with, even within the SBC, and we applaud them, and we think, we want our church, we want our preachers to wear skinny jeans and have cool haircuts. That ain't happening, by the way. <laughs> and we say, man, they are, look how spiritual they are. And Paul says, you must not be caught unaware of these things. He says, one, they are being led astray, And then he says, two, you can easily find yourself led astray. You can even even become to your point in your own life where you think you are spiritual because you follow a certain pastor or you believe a certain thing or you have a certain gift or you do this or you do that. And Paul says, brothers and sisters, you don't know what you're talking about. And so for application's sake this morning, let me just say this, beloved. There are errors in which we need to avoid. For application's sake this morning, there are things that here at First Baptist Church, and you as a church member, that you need to avoid. Let me just throw out a few of these to you this morning. You need to avoid thinking that emotional people are always spiritual. You need to to avoid thinking just because someone stands in the pulpit or sings a song and they're doing it with tears in their eyes and they're doing it with great passion and and, and, great, you know, they're dynamic, they're emotional and walk away and go man god was present because here's what paul's saying he's not present it's not all the time it's not all the time what he's saying is you cannot there is a test by which you judge spirituality and emotions is not it you need to avoid thinking that high energy worship services are always the more spiritual ones that that when we come in and the the music is blaring and the preachers are dynamic and <clears throat> again, Church by the Glades, that they, they have they, they do all these dynamic light shows and the smoke and, and their Christmas, you know, cantatas are normally stormtroopers and Star Wars and the, the Grinch and there's and there's even people who dress very provocatively and sing very secular song, but it's very high energy, and so therefore it must be right. Avoid thinking that the feel-good teachings are always spiritual. And I'll even give an example of this momentarily, but that there are those who will sound really good, preachers who will preach things and say things, and they're really, really good speakers. And we walk away and we say to them, like Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley is a spiritual man because he's a great leader and he's a great spiritual person, yet Andy Stanley says some very unbiblical and unscriptural things. Many people are unaware of this. You, you need to avoid thinking that just because someone is really sincere, that they're spiritual. Because a person truly believes something with all of their heart, and they are sincere. What we find in Scripture is you can be sincerely wrong. It's just part of the human nature that we are sinful, and therefore we make mistakes, and therefore we can be blinded. And so there were those at Corinth who were, who were really sincere, and Paul says, you are unaware, brethren. We need to avoid thinking that pragmatism, that large crowds, that gaining large crowds, high energy, high emotion, that the end result of just lots and lots of people is really spiritual. Because remember, Jesus had large crowds. But yet at the end of the day, the most spiritual ones were 11. Were the 11 closest to him. Matthew Henry once said, It is common for those that are the farthest from God to boast themselves so much uh, of themselves, boast themselves most of their being near to the church. In other words, he was saying that those who are farthest from God are normally the ones who we think are the most spiritual within the church. They're the ones who are up there, they're the ones who are receiving the applause, they're the person that you know and we think they are the most spiritual and he says you must be aware you must you must not become unaware and even be led astray by false spirituality so that leads us into the next heading here beloved if if there is this counterfeit spirituality and i need to avoid it i need to avoid and, and, and not be caught unaware and led astray, then the question then becomes is how do we discern that which is spiritual? So you, uh, this is very important. Before Paul gets into spiritual gifts and before Paul gets into chapter 13, the issue of love, you know, you'll see all the connections. This. Paul, Paul lays the groundwork. There, there's two things he's going to give us here that's going to say that, that you can judge and test the Spirit. So in verse, th- verse 3, notice what he says. He says, therefore, I make known to you. In other words, he says, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to reveal some information to you that will distinguish true spirituality from the false. He says, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So how does one discern what is real or false? Beloved, please hear this this morning. You determine that which is truly spiritual and that which is not. You determine that which is true and that which is false. In terms of how it portrays Jesus Christ. In terms of how it portrays Jesus Christ. This is the same thing that the Apostle John gives us in 1 John chapter 4. Listen to what he says in verses 1, 2, and 3. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Of which you have heard that is coming and is now already in the world. We always want to think of the Antichrist as just one individual. But John says the spirit of the Antichrist is here. It is those who would make little of God. It was those who would make little of Jesus. And there are those within the church that you think are spiritual, but they're not. They are not of God. They don't have the spirit of God. They have the spirit of the Antichrist because they make less of Jesus and more of themselves. They make more of emotions and, and high energy and more of mysticism and more of everything else. But they make very little of Jesus Christ. And John says, that is of the Antichrist. True and false spirituality is discernible only by how we portray Christ with our words and our life. And so many times we want to judge a person based upon their emotions and based upon things that they do and how they act. But John says you you can only test them and you can only know the truth of them by how they portray Jesus why why is this so important because spiritual right let's just this is very easy right spiritual means that that i am spiritual and so therefore i have to the spirit is in me what spirit the holy spirit okay well if someone's going to be uh, be spiritual then the holy spirit's got to be working in them well what is the job of the spirit to make much of jesus christ the spirit makes much of the son of god and the son of god makes much of the father And the Holy Spirit cannot and will not dishonor Jesus Christ. And so therefore, if something or someone blasphemes, curses, or makes less of, or makes Jesus less than, it is not the work of the Holy Spirit, beloved. And so Paul, notice what he says here, he gives us two things by which we may test and judge whether one is truly spiritual or not number one sound speech notice what paul writes he says no one speaking by the spirit of god says jesus is accursed now according to john Macarthur, this is not a random comment because you read that and you go well that just sounds stupid amen what church What church member here at fbc right who has any kind of decency about them would would get up and sing a song or give a testimony or teach in a Sunday school and go well? Jesus Christ is accursed. That it does it sounds so illogical. So why would somebody say it? Well, it's not just some mis, you know just a, a mishap of words. They are proclaiming a belief from a worldly philosophy, what is called Gnosticism. It was rising up in their day, which taught that the physical natural body was evil in and of itself. Okay. That creation itself is evil. Now we know that that is not the case. That what God has made is not. Go back to the meat. The meat is not evil. It's how you handle the meat. What's evil is inside of you and how you act. But Gnosticism said that men, that the physical body was wicked and accursed... But the spirit was good, and so basically at the end of the day, you can do whatever you wanted with your body. You could drink, you, could, you can you know, have as many affairs, you can do whatever you want, because it doesn't matter. What matters is the spirit, and so when you die, your spirit is set free. Well, they had the same view of Jesus, and they said, well, Jesus is accursed. His body, his physical body was accursed. It was condemned. It was wicked. And when Jesus died, his spirit was set free. And so Jesus is the king of kings. They thought what they were saying was good. They thought what they're saying was spiritual and new age, right? Have you, are we not seeing that today? People coming in with new philosophical and psychological type new ideas. And they're like, well, you know, trying to sound really smart. And so we say these things. And beloved, if you don't think it's happening, it's happening in churches all across the country, especially with CRT, The critical race theory and the social justice stuff. People are coming in and they are saying the most unbiblical and most dishonoring things of Jesus Christ. And they are being applauded for it. And so Paul says this is a heresy. And so how could Christians claim such an unbiblical thing? And think it is spiritual. And the answer is, is that scholars have all kind of, after doing a lot of work and things, and I'm just going to sum this up according to John MacArthur's and several other commentaries I've read, that what was really going on in their day was this religious ecstasy here. The people, because they were led astray in the old religions, they kind of brought that in, they would work themselves up into this high emotion to where they would experience this semi-conscious euphoric feeling. And they would just begin to shake and they would begin to dance around and they would begin to have these utterances. These things would just come out of them. They would begin to utter things. And so while they were doing this, they would speak in tongues and they would prophesy. Now here's the problem. We know that in 1 Kings 18 and Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal did the same thing. And so the pagans would do this and how? And now the Corinthians, they would, they would come and they would, they would see this. And so people would speak in tongues. And not that speaking in tongues was wrong. Not that prophesying was wrong. That's not the problem. But they would come and they would do this. And, and because of how all this went about, they would leave out and they would go, Whoo, We just had church. Man, wasn't that good? Did you feel the emotion and the energy? It was so good. But Paul says, brethren, there was nothing spiritual about that service. Well, Paul, how do you know? How do you, how, who are you, Paul, to judge whether that was spiritual or not? Paul says, I can tell you exactly how. Because whoever prophesied or whoever was speaking in tongues or whoever said what, said that Jesus is Accursed. The problem was not in the euphoric feelings and all that stuff. The problem is, is that they said Christ was accursed. Beloved, their speech was not sound in doctrine. Their speech was not biblical. And I don't care how emotional, high energy, or how opposite emotion. I don't care if you're a void of emotion or if you have no energy. And you go the opposite and you say, I'm not like that. I, I've got myself under control. E- even then you can be not spiritual. What mattered was what they said was unbiblical. And it lacked sound doctrine. And it made less of Jesus Christ. It was, it, it was derogatory towards Christ. It was negative of Jesus. And the same applies to us today. And it happens all the time. And you and I don't even know it. I even get caught up in it. I'm telling you, this is easy even for me because I'm an emotional person. And so a few years ago at a homecoming service, there was a preacher who I love, who I know. He was up there preaching and man, he was pounding the pulpit. And it was good. He was saying, man, it it was one of those things. And I am excited. I am sitting there in his homecoming service. I'm just like, get after it, brother. And then a few minutes later, I lean over to my wife. And I said, what is he talking about? And she said, I have no idea. (laughs) And for the rest of the service, I began to listen to the words coming out of his mouth. And not one bit of it was expositional preaching. He said a lot of things, some good things. But he did not make much of Jesus that day. And what he said was unbiblical. It didn't come from the scriptures. And the same thing was happening there in Corinth, beloved, where they where they were having these church services, and so people would go, "We are more spiritual than you people because you don't have the gift that we have, you don't have the emotion we have, you don't have the you don't act the way we act in the service." And Paul's going, "Yeah, but we didn't just say that Jesus Christ was condemned to hell." because that's what that meant brothers and sisters hear me this morning if our words are not sound it is not spiritual and if you want to know the test of how they are spiritual it's real easy is it scriptural is it scriptural does it come i i could care less about any anything on the motion, pastors and people churches denomination they have to deal with that but at the end of the day what i care about is is what you said from the pulpit the the song that you sang we we love singing and we get all emotional about it because the the tune grabs a hold of you and it it just does something to your soul Trey's song could have been, have been the most great sounding song in the world. But if it was it's unscriptural and unbiblical, how dare he get up here and sing it? And he knows that with me. He believes that. Does the song make much of Jesus and is it biblical? Is the person's testimony scriptural? Is the sermon biblical and scriptural? Is the Sunday school lesson biblical and scriptural? Because if it is not, then who are we to say that is of God? Who are we to say the Holy Spirit did that when He didn't? And so therefore, beloved, you need to know this morning that your words matter. Your words matter because if you're going to sing a song and you're going to give a testimony and you're going to teach Sunday school, if you're going to have a discussion with other people and talk about God, you better you better be prepared to be held accountable for your words. That you don't proclaim something that God himself did not say nor do. And so the words of a song in a Sunday school lesson, in a sermon, in our discussions, they must be biblical. They must be sound. And so I would encourage you, beloved, to make note of your words. Make note of the words that are being preached. Make note of the words that are being sung. Make note of the words that are being given in testimonies. Make notes of the words that are coming from the church service. And you say, Brother Brian, how can I know? How can I know? Then here's a couple, three things that I would just give you. Number one, regularly attend our church services. Because I'm here to tell you, biblical fidelity is a core value at at this church, and especially with Brother Trey and myself. If there is one thing, and and this is not something to be applauded or anything, but this is just something that, that we want to be faithful in, that we want to be biblically faithful to the Word of God. And so you come and hear the word being preached and being taught. Personal study is important in your own life. And knowing, thirdly, the statement of faith of your church. What is our statement of faith? What are you studying? And what are we preaching and teaching? Because at the end of the day, words matter. God is not going to hold us accountable for high energy and emotion as much as he will were you accurate with what you proclaimed. Secondly, there is a second test here. It is a true confession. And Paul says... And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know this is interesting because we know unbelievers can utter this confession. Matthew seven twenty one. not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so, we take, so we have to take notice here and understand that, yes, we know that unbelievers, lost people, non-spiritual people, can say that Jesus is Lord. So what does Paul mean here? Well, the word Lord implies great meaning here. It implies that Jesus is God. It implies deity, So the Gnostics may confess that Jesus is Lord, but they did not believe he was God. They're not spiritual. There may be others who say, well, Jesus is Lord. He's my ruler. I I really like his teachings. I like his his preaching, and I like following his his teaching and preaching. But I don't think he's God. Well, then you're not spiritual. In Matthew 16, 7, Peter, After Peter's confession that Christ was the Messiah, Jesus said this, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, the Spirit revealed it to you. God revealed it to you. Spiritual people are people who will always ascribe lordship, deity, deity. To Jesus Christ as God. In other words, we are going to make as much of Christ as we can We're, in our words and our actions and our church service. We are not going to do anything that would dishonor God, even a moment that would bring Him down. He will. We want to make Him as we want to proclaim Him as God and lift Him up with honor and glory. But there's more with this confession of lordship. They will also submit themselves to obedience. Again, Matthew 7 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. So confessing Jesus as Lord means that you are submitting your life to the Lordship, to the kingship, to the to God and following his commands. Your life will match, your life and your words will match your confession. If you confess today that Christ is Lord, that he is God, then your words and then your actions are all all going to make much of Christ. It will be a genuine declaration of Jesus. Two things, beloved. A person cannot claim they are spiritual and not be born again. The phrase born again literally means that you've been born from above. It means a spiritual transformation whereby God changes our heart, imparts to us eternal life of being a, a Christian, being, a, being spiritual is not about how emotional you are, how talented you are, how many spiritual gifts you got, how great of a teacher you are, how many acts of services you have. What makes you spiritual is that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is God. That Jesus Christ is Lived a perfect life and never once sinned. And that as a propitiation for you, as a substitute for you, he gave his life for you and died. Rising three days later from the grave that all who would repent and believe would come to know him would be saved by his grace and his mercy. What makes us spiritual beloved is the bedrock confession. The bedrock confession and hope and trust that Jesus Christ is our only hope. That he is God. When you confess your sins and repent and believe upon that, you become a spiritual person. Your life is now to be lived with the purpose of pleasing and making much of Christ. And I would call anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior to come. Come today and be saved. Come and believe in this Jesus. Believe in the one who has died and given his life for you. You're not going to become spiritual any other way. But I would even say, secondly, that now you would also live as a spiritual person, walking according to the Spirit, not by the flesh. Not, as Paul says, being led astray. You will now seek to honor Christ with your words and with your life. Why? Because you are spiritual. Because the Spirit now lives in you. And the Spirit that lives in you is going to move you. Not, because of the flesh, you're not always going to be perfect in this, but it's going to make you strive to speak words that are sound and to live a life that is genuine to the confession that Jesus is Lord. And some of you made that confession when you, became a, when you were baptized and you became a member of this church. I asked you this morning, does your words, do your decisions, do your life, is it genuine? Does it really speak to the confession that Jesus is God and you've submitted your life to him? True spirituality is seen in the life that honors Jesus in words and deeds. And so therefore, spiritual people do not live in open sin. You can come to church, you can come to Sunday school, you can come you can do whatever you want. You can baptize, you can be a member, you can, do, you can serve, wherever. But if you are in open sin, and you're just like, I ain't changing it. Then something is wrong with your confession. Spiritual people do not live in open sin. They repent of their sin. Spiritual people do not, do, not, do not need emotional and high-energy services, they, nor do they need to be a void of emotion. Their, faith, their hope, their desire is just to be faithful day by day. I just, want to be, I just want to go to church and be faithful. Spiritual people don't need applause of others. They don't need to have spiritual gifts that, that give the applause of men. You know what spiritual is? The applause of one. And that's what I love about Brother Trey. He can sing, but he doesn't need our applause. Because I know that at the end of the day, he cares about one. And it ain't me, it ain't Jessica, it ain't nobody else. It's Christ. Spiritual people are faithful to Church. They serve regularly in church. Church people submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ by submitting themselves to the word of God, to the preaching of the word of God. They come and they go, okay, God, I, I want to hear your word today. Give me your word. Matthew 7, 21, 24 again. Listen to this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will, will enter Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, did I not have that spiritual gift? Lord, Lord, did I not teach that Sunday school class? Lord, Lord, did I not do this? Verse 23, he says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who are not spiritual. Faith family, there is a counterfeit spirituality out there. Jesus warns you of it. Paul warns you of it. And this morning we started the sermon off with good questions from the Corinthians, and so I closed the seat this morning with good questions. Are you a spiritual person? Have you been born again by trusting in Jesus Christ and repenting of your sins? If yes, you are spiritual. If no, you are not. I would urge you to come today and make Christ your Lord. Are you a Christian today whose words are biblically sound and whose confession is genuine? Whose words make much of Jesus and whose life mimics the confession that Jesus is God? Or are you unaware that your spirituality is counterfeit? That maybe you've been led astray by false spirituality thinking that you are spiritual because you have a talent or a gift or whatever reason. FBC, I call upon you this morning to examine yourself on this test and answer the question this morning, are you spiritual? Are your words and your beliefs sound? And is your confession genuine? Beloved, if you find yourself lacking the Spirit this morning, I have good news for you. Jesus Christ died this morning and rose from the grave that you may be made spiritual and alive in Him. Let's pray.